One time, uh, 1976 in Mayapur. There's a lot of garbage in Mayapur strewn along the one part of the property. And Prabhupada was walking. I might have been on that walk. But I remember Prabhupada said, why is all this garbage here? And uh, so the devotee said, well, the young kids, they threw it out there. And Prabhupada stopped and he became furious. The children, you blame? 
Don't the children have parents? So you can't blame a child. And just a year before, in 1975, Prabhupada gave a class in Srimad Bhagavatam uh, talking about uh, who can be chastised, who is punished. The, the title of the class, you can find it if you want to read or hear it. Who is punishable? Punishable. And so uh, for, for three days, Prabhupada gave lecture. This was in San Francisco, Rathiatra, 1975 probably July 1975 and I was there the whole time <clears throat> so Prabhupada started out one day he started to give class and there were some children in the back and they started to make some noise you know and so Brahmananda said the mothers to take the children out and so they did and then the next day Prabhupada started off the class and the children started to make some noise and crying and Brahmananda says the mothers to take the children out and so then the third day same thing just like a duplicate the children start acting up Brahmananda mothers should take the children out and Prabhupada said no let them stay and he said uh, I forget the verse in Srimad Bhagavatam but he said uh, you uh, there's certain people that cannot ever be punished uh, old people, women, and children should never be punished. And some of the ladies started to giggle. <laughs> and Prabhupada so innocently said, but don't take advantage. <laughs> it was so sweet. <laughs> women and children and saintly persons old people, women, children, and saintly persons. And so Prabhupada said, so all we have here is old people, him, he was the only, women and children and saintly persons. He said, that's all we have here. So who can we punish? Who can be, who can be punished? So you can't blame the kids, you know. Um, all right, are we live? Yes, we are. Hey, hello out there, Cyberland. Good to see you. Thanks for dropping by. We are going to talk about, uh, again, are you getting tired of hearing about love yet? No. <laughs> I mean, do we ever? Huh? That's uh, really what we're all about. Oh, I want to start out with... Uh, I almost forgot. <laughs> Radha Sundari has just about got me trained. <laughs> I have to read it because I haven't got it memorized yet. Is that okay? Yeah. Krishna Kove Disclaimer. Krishna Kove is where we discuss the practice of bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of the heart, where we reconnect with the divine in a personal way through self-realization guided by the most ancient scriptures in the world. Um, what we do here is we 
in loving service to uh, Guru and Krishna, we bring um, truth. So uh, our promise is that we won't give you uh, our speculation. That may be good if we're at Starbucks having coffee. I might speculate, you know, like uh, I may think, uh, whatever, let's speculate. The Cowboys are going to win the World Series. No, it's the Super Bowl, Super Bowl you know, or... Trump will never do two terms. Uh, you know, whatever. I speculate, you speculate. I speculate they'll never build that wall. Well, I think they will. So you got two people speculating. I promise you, I, from my heart and soul, that I will not give you speculation ever. You see? Uh, why? Because this is serious stuff. This is, we're talking about God, you, the living entity, and your relationship with him. So, uh, out of service to Guru and Krishna and you. Uh, I will not give you anything that I do not know to be the absolute truth. And by knowing, I mean uh, realizing it. You know, like you can realize that two plus two is four. You can realize, you can come to that realization. You see, so... Uh, You can also realize your love with God in that same way. Be honest. There's no doubt, is there? Is there any doubt that two plus two is four? Okay, so your uh, dormant love for Krishna uh, can be realized on, on that same level without speculation. Uh, going beyond faith. It, faith will take you uh, to what? Where does faith take you? Knowing. To knowing. Uh, we don't think about that a lot when we talk about faith. Um, it's common for a religious practice to start uh, or to tell you about faith. You need faith. And you do. To get you started. It's like if I, if I meet you and I think, wow, I think you'll turn out to be a good friend. I have faith that you will be a, one of my best friends. And in some time, I'll know whether I was right or wrong. So faith isn't blind and it's not uh, forever. It takes you to knowing, you see. It's the same way with God. If you practice this bhakti yoga and you don't know then you did something wrong or the, this lifetime wasn't right for you, you see. Um, we've been doing this for a long time and it's pretty rare out of thousands, many, many thousands. Uh, it's pretty rare that I ever see someone that doesn't come to that knowing, you see. So uh, anyway, we're going to talk about... Uh, Building the wall. <laughs> we need volunteers to go down to Nogales. We're going to Nogales and we're going to extend the wall. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, building a wall between you 
and love. Now, why would we do that? But people do that all the time. This is very common. Um, first of all, uh, Hey, Sham Gopal. <clears throat> Let's talk about some of the aspects of love. What's it supposed to give you? What is love supposed to give you? Bliss. Huh? Somebody said bliss? Is it you? Yeah. It should give you bliss. We want it to give us bliss, and we have faith that it will give us bliss, right? And we do that time and time and time again, it seems, you see? Um, so love should give us that reward of happiness, bliss. But again and again, we see that uh, it gives us pain, right? It can give you bliss, and then that bliss can turn to pain. You ever seen people that start out uh, happy that they met each other? <clears throat> One of your friends shows up. You meet them at a party or some gathering, and they've got someone with them. And you say, oh, who is this with you? Oh, i got to meet. You've got to meet Bob or Phil or whoever, Betty, you know, you know. This wonderful person, the love of my life. And you think, well, I'm really happy for you. You know, pats on the back, hats in the air, applause, big, big round of applesauce. I mean, uh, of applause. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see if they're paying attention. <laughs> Applesauce is a time for prasadam. <laughs> and then you see them a few months later and you say, hey, where is Phil or Betty or Bob? Or... Oh, God. I can't tell you. I'm glad that person is out of my life. <laughs> so we see that. Have you seen it? You know, we've all seen this. It's so sad. Oh, I see um, love comes in, gives a, a great stir of happiness, then it goes leaving a pain in the heart. So, uh, and it, it doesn't do that just once in a while. Some people don't experience this as much as others. Some people experience it all their lives, you see. And some people it's just, you know, so... <clears throat> um, you know, we all want to be, we all want to be happy. And we all want to be free, don't we? Isn't that, I mean, we're Americans. We're, man, we, we inject that stuff, freedom. Boy, we're all about that. But uh, love means confinement, doesn't it? It takes away some of your freedom, doesn't it? Because I make something to another person. If the love gets to a certain level, what is that something that many people hate, especially men? At least women tell me that. 
commitment. <laughs> you know, gosh, can't we, can't we just be friends with benefits? You know, can't we, you know, it's like I belong to the lovers union, you know, I'm, we're bargaining. We're going to go on strike for better and more benefits. <laughs> you know, I'm not looking to give commitment. <laughs> Some people can't even say that word. You want me to commit? Okay. You're, you're looking for a commitment? <laughs> you, you want me to tell you that I <laughs> and I love you? <laughs> okay, I love you, and you have my commitment, <laughs> you know, so you see, it's, this love is kind of a, it's kind of a dangerous thing, it's like playing with a hand grenade, isn't it, so it's dangerous, uh, it's awkward, it's awkward for whom, human beings, it's not awkward for dogs. You know, the dog, the female dog never tells the, the male dog, look, I, I kind of like a commitment from you. <laughs> you know, look, before we do that, at least take me out for drinks and a movie, you know, buy me dinner, you know, or... She never goes to him and the female dog never goes to the male dog and says, oh, guess what? I'm pregnant. <laughs> the male dog goes, is it mine? <laughs> of course, how would she know? You know, because there's, you know, unless dogs are kept in the house and protected, they, they breed and breed and breed, you know, so. Actually, dogs and cats can, can be impreg impregnated by uh, more than one male, you know. So sometimes you'll see a litter of cats and you have all kinds of different cats in there. Have you ever seen that? You know, yeah. but it's it can be. So you see how uncomplicated sex life is for the animals? You know, there's no shotgun wedding. Huh? No Planned Parenthood. <laughs> no Planned Parenthood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no complication to it, you know? It's kind of like, uh, I'm here, you're here. Uh, from the smell I'm smelling, you're in the mood. So, hey, I got a minute. Let's do it. And then see ya. No palimony. No divorce, no promises, no commitment. So this is animal life. Human life uh, is more complicated because we have a very advanced brain. You see, we're, uh, our soul is the same kind of soul that's in a dog or a cat. But the limitations of that body uh, is what makes the, the animal an animal and behave like an animal. Uh, the, it's very 
convenient and yet inconvenient when we get a human body. You see, in the Bible it says, for those who have more, more is expected. So the world kind of expects more from the human beings. It's like we were talking about the children. Prabhupada expected more from the adults than from the children, you see. So we expect more from human beings than we do from animals. There's, uh, it's like, uh, you've probably seen this happen. You're, you pull up at a stop sign and there's a policeman sitting over there, you know, and you're looking at him like, ha ha, I stopped. And I'm doing the three second thing too, just so you know. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. They say you're supposed to stop for three seconds, but I never do. <laughs> Give it about half a second. <laughs> so, uh, but then you may be sitting there and the cops looking at you like, okay, you stopped. And then a dog goes walking past you right across the street. He didn't stop. So the policeman doesn't go after the dog and give him a ticket. Say, listen, Rover. <laughs> Can I see your license? And the dog goes, <laughs> You know, you didn't even stop. Didn't you see that stop sign? You know, poor dog. <laughs> so he doesn't get it. We don't expect them. They don't get jaywalking tickets. They never cross at the corner. They cross wherever they want to. So uh, there's fewer demands put on uh, those with lower capacity and the animals. But when you are an adult and you're a human being, society uh, expects and demands more from you. So love becomes more complicated for a human being. Does that make any sense? You see? And it's so complicated that sometimes it's just a lot of people, uh, have you ever seen somebody that swear off, you know, a male friend of yours? Oh, I'm, I'm finished with women. Or a lady that says, I'm done with men. Or, you see what I mean? You're, we, surely we've seen people, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. So after enough of this, repeatedly, uh, building and breaking relationships, you know, building and breaking, that's war. That's what we do in war. You know, Winston Churchill said, war means breaking things, but you also build things. You build bridges and then the enemy will break the bridge. They'll destroy it so that you can't use it anymore. So after this warlike thing, love, building a relationship and then breaking it. Ah, oh, enough of this. After enough of, of doing this, we start to build up a resistance, don't we? Now it's getting difficult for me to trust people. So how can there be love without trust? Now some people uh, feel that they have love, but they don't trust their partner. Uh, their definition is off, you see. And that's due to a large degree of lack of knowledge of God, you see, because 
and definitely due to lack of your knowledge of your relationship with God. Because your relationship with God ultimately, now there are different relationships, but the ultimate relationship with God, whatever you want to call him, uh, what is he in, in Russia? It's Ba. Ba. That's what they call God in Russia. Bo. Bo. You see? So when someone says to you, well, God's name's not Krishna. God's name is God. Well, go to Russia and tell it to them. It's Bo. In France, he's uh, Dies. In uh, Germany, Gott. And south of our south of the wall border is his Dios. I just con Dios. May God go with you. You see, so uh, whatever you have to call him or feel comfortable with calling him, uh, we call him Krishna because Krishna means all attractive one. You see, so uh, Krishna is so attractive that he's irresistible, the irresistible form. There are forms of God that can be a little scary to you if you don't know, you know? As a matter of fact, a lot of people are afraid of God and some people are very proud of being afraid. We've heard that, haven't we? You know, I'm a tax paying in America and a God, good God fearing man. Okay. <clears throat> but what we aim to uh, what we aim to present in uh, Krishna Cove is something a step above what many people uh, have for knowledge of God. Now that sometimes offends people, but there are different levels of knowledge. We don't say, uh, "No, yours is just bogus." I mean, if you're telling me that you've, if it's something that you made up in the last few years about God's coming to earth in a spaceship and he's going to take you, uh, I don't think that's bona fide. <clears throat> but there are bona fide religions on this planet, you see. And they all uh, have one thing in common. They're pious and they worship a supreme God, Godhead, whether you call him Bo, Deus, whatever, God, Krishna, whatever. But there are different levels. Some people don't want to buy into that. That's okay. That's okay. You can, you don't have to if you don't want to. So, but what we're going to present again and again and again at Krishna Cove is how to find this all attractive feature of God, this Krishna. So attractive uh, that he's mesmerizing. He knocks you over. You can't, he's irresistible. You, you, you literally can't keep your hands off of Krishna. You want to hug him. Embrace him, you know. Uh, out of love, the gopis, Krishna's associates, they sometimes like to decorate him. 
So Krishna is so kind that, I mean, would you like to sit someplace, you know, and have people decorate you? For a little while, it might be kind of cute. But I mean, more and more and more and more. But Krishna is so kind that he sits there and the gopis paint his face with gopi dots and little lotus flowers and garlands and jewelry. You know, to the average person, it would be, you'd be bent over. <laughs> Sometimes Shil Prabhupada would come off an airplane and by the time he got to his car, he would have so many garlands on him. You might have seen pictures. <laughs> I don't see how he could stand up. He, was, he, he would start giving, handing them off to people. And, more would come. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Hit by the holy means. Wow. See, Krishna wanted to embrace me. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? I'm talking about I can't keep my hands off him. And he says, what? I love you too. <laughs> what a sweet thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> so this exchange of love with Krishna the all-attractive the, there's actually a holiday that we uh, celebrate where uh, we decorate the deity even more so than, than ever before uh, but that's a common thing that the gopis like to do they want to decorate Krishna you know so this is this loving exchange. Krishna, he's so kind that he accepts this offering. He's patient because this is an exchange of love, which is what love should be. It should be an exchange. It should be a reciprocation. Not that you demand it. Now in the material world, we demand it. We demand it back. I love you. You better hope you love me at least as much preferably more, you know, stop loving me, I'm out of here, and I'm going to go away hating you, or at least disliking you, you see, no, the transcendentalist doesn't love this way, the transcendentalist, once he starts some love affair with Krishna, he starts to realize that the true joy of love is to give it unconditionally. You don't have to reciprocate. That's not part of the deal. You know, imagine Donald Trump getting into a love affair. All right, now you gotta make sure you love me. Imagine. And uh, you gotta sign this. <laughs> He's a businessman. So love like that is business. I can just see a businessman saying, you know, look, I'm going to love you, but you got to love me back. And it's got to be this way. So uh, on the transcendental platform, love is something that you give. And you don't expect anything in return. The true sweetness of love is that you love. If people love you, uh, that's okay. If they don't, that should be okay with you too. Because you've gotten to the point in your relationship with Krishna that you're having this reciprocal relationship with the Supreme Lover, you see. So you've graduated to the big leagues. 
you're a big leaguer. You know, if you're a professional football player, you know, 350-pound football player, you're used to playing in the big leagues. So if you play with children, if you're going through a neighborhood and they recognize you and they want to throw the ball, you're not going to expect the same performance out of them, you see. Or if they're high school kids, you see what I mean? Uh, you know football on a higher level, you see. And you don't expect them to come up to your, your level. So uh, as you develop your lost loving relationship with Krishna, you're loving in the big leagues, you see, which is completely and totally 100% satisfying. That, that love part of your brain is completely satiated. You're, as it says in the Bible, your cup runneth over. Krishna's love is mesmerizing. You can't think about it. Uh, I mean, you, you, you can't get it out of your mind, you see. Some of the symptoms we were talking about last Saturday in Bhagavatam class about uh, love. You know, what does it do to you, this love of Krishna? I mean, it can make you cry tears of joy. It can make you, uh, it, this love of Krishna causes you to think about him constantly. Now in the material world, people would say that that's not healthy for you to let someone control you that much. Why? Because the material world is full of cheaters and the cheated. So it's very dangerous. So I don't know if I can give you that much love. You see what I mean? I don't know what you'll do with it. If I love you and trust you that much, love and trust should go hand in hand. If I trust you that much, if I'm so crazy about you that I just can't forget about you and I start to live my life for you, that's very dangerous, isn't it? In the material world. So, We've just reached my wall. That's my extent. I can't let myself go any further. I've done it before and I was always saddened by it. You see? So people have these psychological walls. A lot of people say, no, no, I, but it's there. Just depends on how far out it is. But most people, practically, not everybody, but practically everybody has some sort of a wall. Some walls, uh, some people's wall is much higher. <laughs> it's got barbed wire at the top and they're very cautious because they've been down that road and they don't want to do it again. Uh, as, as you go through life, you get hardened by it, you see. Uh, younger on, you know, the earlier loves, they seem to be, uh, what is it the Italians say? Or is it French? Amor foe. Crazy love. You know, they're young. It's, ah, you know, so. But as the relationships come and go, like the tide coming and going, you get harder to it, you know, more calloused towards it.
as age comes. That's sad. See, material love uh, will do that for most people, not everybody. Some people meet mates. They mate early in life, and it's the right mate, and they stay that way. You know, I met a couple that was uh, married 68 years one time. Changing planes. I think it was in London. 68 years old. Still in love, holding hands in the airport, waiting for their flight. <laughs> 68 years old or 68 years married? Married 68 years. Oh, wow. And uh, sitting there holding hands. You know? I had a conversation with them, and I'll share that with you sometime, but we may run out of time if I get into it tonight, so. But, uh, so, a few people hook up, but we can't expect that, can we? Uh, and especially if, if it doesn't happen at a certain point in your life, you start to build barriers between you and other people. And you make it harder for people to get into your heart. That's natural. That's just common sense, you know? I've been cheated, and uh, the next one is going to have to go work pretty hard to get my heart. So I start out with a wall that's maybe like that, you know, and then my wall gets higher and higher as time goes by. You see, because this thing that I really, really want is, is also a real problem to deal with. Razor's yeah, it's, yeah, it's a razor's edge, you know, you could go. So, um, yeah, you have to trust. You have to trust somebody to have this love. And it gets harder and harder to trust in the material world as life goes by. So how do we take away the wall? And if you don't have one, how do we prevent you from ever having one? We've got to get a taste of the real deal. We go to the source of love. To the true lover, the eternal lover, who's always been your lover, you know, and that's Krishna. Krishna says, I am the, the supreme personality of Godhead. He knows he has unlimited personalities, but yet he says in Bhagavad Gita again and again, so that we don't miss it, I am the supreme personality of Godhead. What, what does he mean? Does that mean if I arm rest with um, Jesus Christ, that I'll beat him? Is that what he's saying? No. You know, send old Yahweh here, I'll take him on. <laughs> no, this is all, uh, all the personalities uh, are there. And Krishna says, I'm the supreme personality because he is the personality that you embrace and you love. Yeah. He is, so therefore, because of this loving exchange, therefore he says, I'm supreme. That doesn't mean my God can beat your God up. It's the same, it's God. It's the supreme uh, Paramatma, you see. So if we can uh, attract this beautiful, all attractive, all loving creature. 
and establish a loving relationship with him, then all of our desires for love are taken care of. Like I said, you're loving in the big leagues. You see, that doesn't mean that you won't love anybody else. It means you'll love everybody. You become a big league lover, you see. And if two people, if a devotee who is loving Krishna, even if you get a little taste, I'm not saying that you have to go all the way to Krishna Prema, the topmost love. Uh, I'm not saying that. But if you get a, a taste of it, a couple of drops, then uh, you'll never forget it. And you'll be completely satisfied, except you'll always want more and more and more of this loving relationship with Krishna. As far as, far as spousal connection, once you've got a few drops, if you meet someone and they've had a few drops and you see that they've taken uh, to this loving Krishna very seriously, they become all attractive to you. Isn't it like that? Yeah. Become all attractive. And their loving devotion to your beloved enhances your love oh, more and more and more, as does yours do to them too, you see. So this isn't material love that kind of uh, comes and goes like the waves hitting the beach. This is love that comes in and just keeps growing. It keeps going and going. You see, so you find yourself in a situation where in the love department, you're good. No, you don't feel needy for love. You feel, if anything, overloved. Krishna can overlove you. Of course, you don't seem like it's, wow, you take all you can get. But you feel, why does he love me so much? Krishna, why do you love me so much? I don't see why. That's so flattering that you love me so much. I, I'm just offering a little bit of this and that for you and, and thinking about you and chanting your names and I'm singing about you. And Of course, I delight in hearing about your pastimes, and, but that doesn't match up with the, the amount that you love me. So you get security. You feel secure. In your, in your love with Krishna. <clears throat> so does this make any sense? Are we going to do the questions tonight? Sure. Should we write them down or should we just... What do you guys think? Should we just down. ask? We can write them down. Huh? Write them down. Write them down, okay. Yeah, yeah, we can write So them. hand out. And if you don't hand in a, a question, then you don't get to eat. <laughs> All right, you can eat, but not as much. You get a half serving. So while you're handing it out and everybody's contemplating, let's think what does Krishna want? What's in it for him? I mean, he's the big-time lover, 
and he's got big time major league love affairs. You know, with gopis and pure devotees. Why is he looking for me? And what does he want from me? First of all, can I get in that league? Can I get in that league of this the ultimate lovers of God? And if so, if your answer is yes, what do I have to do? What does he want me to do to graduate into the major leagues of, of, of eternal love? Eternal, ever-increasing love. So, Krishna tells us that all through Bhagavad Gita, again and again, he tells us different things. One of them, he says, he, he first of all, Krishna wants... What does he want from you? Fidelity. Huh? Fidelity. Yeah. Yeah. Fidelity. If we're in this material world, we lost our fidelity to Krishna. We're infidels. That word is misused, but it, it means you're infidel. You're a cheater. You went looking for love somewhere else. After an eternity of loving association with Krishna, you decided, I'm going to go see what else I can find. That's how casual we were, you see. So, does it mean you're bad? It means you're a little curious, you see. So, um, but what does Krishna want from you? If he has his way, he wants all of you. He wants, because he has this love for you that you should have for him. He's, he hangs on your every word. He's God, so he can, th he, he can be conscious of every living entity. Everything you do, he finds very attractive. Why do you think you exist? Why would he have you as an eternal associate if you had any flaws in the love department? You know, Krishna doesn't have to settle for second best. There's nothing second best about any of us. There isn't anything. You're a top-notch, 100%. Uh, you, in your original form, are so beautiful that when Krishna sees you, you take his breath. You exist to enhance his ecstasy. So you're incredibly beautiful, charming, witty, loving, so you've got the capability. Of course, you have to get over thinking that you're a human being. You've got to start thinking that you are an eternal soul. You know? So, Krishna wants this relationship uh, back. He's not going to force you, but he would like you to wake up, come out of your coma. You know? He's like, wait, we're in a coma, and he's our lover, and he's waiting beside the bed waiting for you to wake up. And he'll help in any way. He won't force you, but he'll help in any way. So he's pouring, he's pouring it out to you, you know. What do I want? He says, Bhagavad Gita, 18th chapter, 65th verse, Mamana Bhava Mad Bhakto. Many of you know this verse. Madhyaji Mam Namaskuru Mam Evashashi Satyante 
Pratijane Priyo Sime. Krishna says, listen to this, the love in what he's saying. Always think of me. Become my devotee. Worship me and offer your homage unto me. Thus you will come to me without fail. I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. He's making this promise. I promise you. you know, always think of me. That's what you want your lover to do, right? Yeah. That's just natural. I'm always thinking of you. Except Krishna, because he's the supreme Godhead, he can think of all innumerable living entities. Always. He doesn't have to forget anybody. As a matter of fact, he can't. He's so fixated on us in your original position. You see? So, that's what he wants. Always think of me. You see? He wants fidelity. It's like when a relationship is going pretty good after a few dates and you really start to like each other. One of you might get the feeling, sooner or later you will get the feeling, that you want to take the relationship to the next level. No, I don't mean sex. But can we be exclusive? You know? Well, that's taking it up to a, you know, sex you can have after meeting 10 minutes, but being exclu exclusivity? That's really... That's a demonstration. If, if we both agree that we're going to be exclusive with each other, well, that's that means the relationship's going along pretty good. See? Krishna's wanting that. He says, if you worship me exclusively. And what he would like you to do, if you want to get into these big leagues of love, of Godhead, is focus on him exclusively. If you say, I don't want to, well then, pick somebody. You know? Uh, <coughs> Jehovah, Yahweh, Buddha. Get exclusive with somebody if you're sincere and serious about developing, uh, de developing your spiritual life. It, but if you take all of them, then you're just kind of dating around, aren't you? You're not really getting a tight relationship with any of these personalities. If you say, I don't think Krishna's God, why, well, you know, focus on one of them. He has an unlimited uh, personalities. Get personal, you see. So does this make any sense? All right. <laughs> this was a trick, you know. Surely there is a T in there, right? Okay. Question. Are souls created equally? Spiritual associates, demigods, humans, animals, etc. 
<clears throat> Does Krishna give access to all equally? Yes. If you were created. But you weren't created. You always have been. You, you cannot, you, the living entity, cannot not exist. Never was there a time when you did not exist. And never will there be a time in the future when you'll cease to be. You're unborn, undying, you see. And is there equality? Yes. But there are different levels. You see, there's the... Um, did you have a question? Sure. Oh, go ahead. So, uh, <clears throat> like with the gopis, we can have that level of affection with Krishna. It's all like a hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah, we can, we can have that. As a matter of fact, um, it's said Krishna is the only gentleman in Vrindavan. So all of the innumerable living entities, the souls, all of us are feminine in nature. He is the male. We are feminine. However, our eternal relationship with Krishna might be that of a male. You see? Does that make any sense? No. Huh? Yeah, it does too. <laughs> Can you call security? <laughs> We've got another one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah. I don't know who's... That's a good question, though. On the transcendental platform, uh, the laws aren't the same as they are in the material world. You know, we are all equal, and yet we have different jobs or different services. You know, uh, if your service, your eternal service, is to be Krishna's male associate, and you go with him into the forest to take the cows. You play and frolic and joke, you know. Uh, that's going to be a little different association than uh, his loving fe female associates. It's going to be different, you know. So, are there different levels? And does he love some more? Oh, yes and no. You know, it may appear, it may appear, appear to one gopi, well, Krishna's paying more attention to her than he is to me. So then, but in the spiritual world, it's not like I've got to do something. I've got to pull her down. I'm going to try to capture Krishna's glance more. I'm going to make him a nicer garland or make him some sort of, I'm going to try to get him alone in the forest. And this can all be happening. Is It's not like there's just one God and innumerable people fighting for him. <laughs> He's with each and every one of us. But it may, it may appear from time to time that he's not with us. He's not, he's not before us. And we may, for, to enhance our yearning to be with him, it may appear that he's with, with her. Why that yuvati, the gopasundari, 
Yuvati again. There he is walking with her. <coughs> so I have to do something to get Krishna's attention. <laughs> Can it so. be, be transcendental and uh, competition? Can these things yeah. be transcendental? <coughs> it's, it's competition. There's competition in the spiritual world, but in a, in a loving way. Mm. <coughs> it's not like competition in the material world where we're out to hurt the other one. So just as Krishna vanished here with the gopis, <clears throat> there there's just that same level of um, um, in that absence of that father. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ah, oh, that helps. Yeah, another question. Why does attachment to Krishna remain impure in the material realm. Uh, it doesn't. When we become attached to Krishna, it becomes our attachment becomes purified. Does that make any sense? Uh, <clears throat> attachment to Krishna, why does it remain impure in the material realm? Uh, it doesn't. We get attached to ourselves. That's it's like, uh, I think it was last week we were talking about lust, mm -hmm. you know. Well, lust is, is your friend and your enemy too. Depends on uh, which way you point it. If my lust, I point towards Krishna to please Krishna, I'm lusting, desiring intensely to please Krishna, then it's my best friend. But if I'm lusting, desiring intensely to please me, uh, then that's degrading. I become degraded. You see? So, that, did that answer the question? Okay. This is fun. Chanting Maha Mantra is said to be uh, an indicator of our outreach for Krishna, but what should one do if chanting becomes uh, unlike and turns into constant fight with mindly thoughts? How does one address this? And uh, I think the question is, uh, and I can't read very well, so, but uh, I think the question is, what if chanting the Maha Mantra is in competition with me thinking about worldly things? Uh, it means that I, I, I'm just not uh, fully serious yet. I have, I have some sincerity. Uh, and I haven't come to a full realization of just what the holy name is. I haven't. Uh, my relationship with the holy name isn't complete. You see. So when it gets complete, uh, we can focus on it. Many times I've experienced it, and many devotees that I've talked to uh, have experienced when you're, when you're chanting, and then all of a sudden you'll hear a name. You'll hear, you'll say, Hare Krishna. Krishna, that sounds so nice. 
that word Krishna you know these names of Krishna why because Krishna and the name are one and the same you can't separate him from his name if his name is there he is there you see so that's true if you say Allah God is there Allah any bona fide name of God Krishna is this loving name and so and that means for that moment you actually heard it you were you heard yourself you know so you get a taste from time to time but our mind has a tendency to want to travel away and you just have to bring it back you know gently so doesn't mean that you're not good or the name is letting you down it's just that uh, your mind got a little out of control there for a minute and it walked away you haven't perfected it yet and that's okay you will you will practice makes perfect practice makes perfect we've been yeah. practicing the other way for a long time yeah we've been con we're conditioned right so we're just reconditioning we're be our consciousness is becoming refurbished yeah you know what does krishna tolerate when we are coming out of maya trying to love him i fall when trying or I fail when trying. Uh, when we're coming out of Maya, um, an interesting thing happens when we get to be sincere. When we get that sincere feeling, uh, my dear Lord Krishna, I want you. I, I want you. So at that point, Krishna says to Maya, okay, step aside. This one wants to come home. So I will personally deal. Un until now, my dear lost soul has wanted enjoyment and gratification from the material energy, which is illusory. It's always changing. It comes and it goes. You know, it's like sandcastles on a beach. You build them and then they, they go away. You build another. So as long as that's what you're looking for, material gratification, you're not really looking for Krishna. So he has Maya, his uh, goddess of illusion. And she gives you what you want. She makes arrangement. You're wanting this enjoyment. And while you're at it, wouldn't you like some of this too? You know, because that's what you want. It's not a trick. It's not a mean thing. Because without this, you would be completely bored. You'd be sitting here thinking, is there anything to do in this material world? I hate this place. No. Maya says, oh, you would like to enjoy what gratification? Well, here's the menu. What would you like? I strongly suggest maybe some nice intoxication. Huh? <laughs> Followed by some really hot sex I'll throw in some Grateful Dead <laughs> you know? and then we'll go to a barbecue how about that 
and the, the soul has a tendency to say, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. You know, so that, be, but you want to go that way. So the material energy, Maya, she's laying the groundwork, you know. Oh, okay, how about this? How about that? Uh, but when you say, Krishna, I, I want you, then he says to Maya, okay, you've done your service, and now I'll deal. So, so then what may seem to be like Maya is Krishna testing you. <coughs> you see, a relationship is like anything else. Its, it's strength is um, established under stress. You know, you test um, the relationship is tested under stress. If there's never any uh, stress in a relationship, you don't know how strong it is. You think you know, you see, but a sound relationship when there's some stress and you cling to that love, then you realize the strength of it. You really realize it and so does your beloved, you see. But as long as it's clear sailing, you know, there's no realization. So what can be more tasteful or attractive to your beloved than seeing you tested, stressed, and still you cling to your love and your determination? Well, that's very flattering, isn't it? So Krishna will test, and then he's flattered when you're like, no, I'm... My mind is set that I want Krishna. I reject the material energy. Or the material energy comes and I grab hold of it and use it to serve Krishna. I trick Maya, lure her close. I want wealth. Oh, here you go. Ah, now I'm going to build a temple. <laughs> you know, so the devotee is like that. We... We manipulate the material energy to demonstrate our love for Krishna. That's conquering the material energy. So, yeah, oh, is um, Maya an, ex an eternal um, servitor? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Brahma is. She's his, one of his energies. So, Brahma is um, not, you know, <clears throat> Maya is. Brahma comes and goes. Maya's eternal. She's one of Krishna's energies. To what degree can I let my wall down with those on the path who may still be working through some of uh, their illusory attachments? Um, you got to let it down. Oh, you got to blow the wall up. You got to let it go. You know, you got to let it go. So you're on the, uh, to what degree? Uh, with those on the path, 100%. Uh, you see, 100%. Will you, will you get let down? You bet. You bet. They haven't perfect, perfected their love for Krishna. And they certainly haven't perfected their ability to love. They're gonna, you're going to get let down. But it's not like I just lost everything because you still have everything. You still have Krishna. 
if you have, <clears throat> if you're fortunate enough as a living entity to have the order of your guru and a few drops of love for Krishna, then there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that can get in your way. Nothing. You see, as a matter of fact, Krishna empowers you. You get the order of your guru and you want to fulfill that order, Krishna opens all the doors. Case in point, Srila Prabhupada. All he had was the order of his guru. And the deck was really stacked against him. Yeah. Talk about, you know, what were his chances of fulfilling his mission when he left? 69 years old, penniless. Poor health. Poor health, two heart attacks on the way over. You know, he had this International Society for Krishna Consciousness is not it's not logical that it exists. But Krishna empowered Shiva Prabhupada to serve his guru. That's the nature of Krishna. If you want to serve your guru, Krishna empowers you. The problem is sometimes we start thinking, oh, just see, I can do such wonderful things. Now I'm in trouble again. I'm starting to think it was me. No, the devotee's always amazed. It's like Srila Prabhupada. Um, he, at one of his uh, Vyas Pujas, we were praising, you know, everyone was praising Srila Prabhupada. What's the Vyasa Puja really It's celebrating the birthday of the, the Guru. And uh, and so uh, on, on Prabhupada's, we were, he was celebrating and all, all the devotees were celebrating the birthday of his Guru. And Prabhupada began to weep, began to cry. And he said, all I did was try to follow the orders of my spiritual master. And he was so kind that he sent all of you to complete my mission. That's the way, this is what he saw. He didn't think, yes, I have made so many devotees. I'm such an elegant scholar. No, he thought. He said again and again, I have no qualification, except I wanted to please my guru. And then he sent all of you to help me and open doors and stories long about the doors that were open for Prabhupada again and again. And then his disciples want to serve him. And Krishna empowered. He sends devotees to London for the first time. What was it, 1969? Was it 69? So, no money. <laughs> They're just off to London. Just see what you can do. Within a short time, they had the Beatles chanting Hare Krishna. <laughs> do you know how big that was in 1969? I mean, the Beatles were like almost like the only band. There were lots of bands, but it was the Beatles. Everybody in the world cherished the Beatles. And they got the Beatles chanting Hare Krishna. 
hey, why don't you come into our studio? Let's cut a record of you guys chanting on us. George Harrison is saying, oh, you want to print the Krishna book? Hey, I'll give you some money. Yeah, I mean, it's just, so this story goes on and on and on, but um, uh, Krishna empowers. He empowers you. So, if Krishna is all attractive, why would we go looking elsewhere for love? Uh, because we have a couple of reasons there. <clears throat> for love to be real, you have to be free. It has to be chosen. You know, for, it to, for love, true love to have any meaning, you have to choose your beloved, not have it forced on you. So for you to make a choice, you got to have choices. So Krishna's not cheap in his love. He wants the real deal from you. So we are designed in such a way that we can make a mistake. We're not just thinking, Krishna's my only choice, like a robot. Krishna's all attractive. There is no one as attractive as Krishna. I will always love Krishna. Oh, is this cheap? Krishna? No. He wants to make you feel that you have a choice other than him. Well, in hindsight, that was pretty dumb, right? We made that choice. But he, we are uh, engineered in such a way that we can make a miscalculation, which makes us unrobotic. The robots don't make mistakes. That's why they're so boring. You ever met a, you ever met a robot that wasn't boring? <laughs> that Sophie robot's pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> but we can make a miscalculation. And we can actually think that there is another lovable object other than Krishna. And so Krishna creates this world for you to go. You, you can't get away from him. We're joined at the hip with Krishna. We're joined at the soul. And he loves you too much to let you out of his sight. I mean, he's got it bad for you. You see, he has all this love for you that we're talking about. The living entity should have for Krishna. He hangs under every word. He can't get you out of it. And he doesn't have to get you out of his mind. So he cre creates a world of illusion and lets you think that you really, that you go there and that you're away from him. You're not. You know? It's like if we could get our Krishna consciousness back, we would turn and there he is right there. His face is like right there, you know? <laughs> Krishna's like you know you want me don't you come on so he's like right there that's Krishna consciousness we become conscious of Krishna you see but until then we think we can hide from him we may even doubt if there is a God because we're so focused on this material world we think this is the real deal, you see? And I can get gratification here. So therefore, birth after birth, I commit activity. I, I, I have desires. 
that cause me to commit activities, which have reactions, which cause me to have another birth. And then in that particular birth, I get a particular type of eye, a particular type of nose, a particular type of tongue, a set of senses, a set of desires, and a body to help me along, uh, along with those desires, you see. All the time, Krishna's like right there, you know, <laughs> watching, waiting, trying to influence you without taking away your free will. You know, go on back. Let's let's go for a walk along the beach. Come on, I'm Krishna. I can have a beach anywhere I want. You know, you just tell me the color sand you want. It'll be there. Let's go for a walk on the beach, like we always used to. You know, that's what he wants, but he won't force. He knows that uh, that you're going to come back to him. He knows it. He knows he's all attractive. He knows that all it takes is just a quick little glance, and you'll get it all back. You get a taste, and it starts to come back to you. You know, you'll wake up. Why not arrive at Radha's lotus feet? Well, you have to go, uh, you have to appeal to Radharani to get to Krishna. Uh, and uh, the devotee thinks of himself as Das Anadas, servant of the servant. Servant of the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. So, do we want to serve Radharani? You bet. You know, if we please Radharani, then she immediately says, oh, Krishna, look, this wonderful devotee. You know, I think you should give him some of your attention. And Krishna immediately says, oh, yes, very good. The Mahamantra begins and ends with Radha. Hare. Hara. O Radha. O Krishna. You know, and it ends with hooray. That's why I tell people uh, when you're chanting Hare Krishna, don't drop the harays. Don't shorten them. We want, I mean, we got to emphasize these harays. You listen to Prabhupada chant? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. It isn't it? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And Prabhupada would see someone, he would say, Hare Krishna. This emphasis on this Hare, you know. So, and when you're chanting, don't drop the Hare's. <laughs> <laughs> There's one uh, good friend of mine. He's now a sannyasi guru. And uh, <laughs> I used to tease him all the time. <laughs> oh. I mean, we would end up laughing, but there for a while he would hate me. He would even sometimes say, I hate you. And, uh, <laughs> I'd go up to him and I'd say, Hey, Prabhu, you. 
you're dropping your hurries. You know, you're not saying hooray, hooray at the end. I am too. No, you're not. Maturna, come here, listen to him chant. I've been listening. Yeah, he drops them. He I do not. You do too. You see him mouthing it. I, I do not. Yes, you do. You know, that's like, you know, there's supposed to be 16 syllables. You know, you're putting in 14 at, or at best, 14, you know. It's going to take you a long way to get back to God. Yes. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> a few minutes later, we'd be laughing and embracing <laughs> Krishna consciousness is fun. You know? If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. I've seen people, they try to be truthful. And I tell them, good luck with that. You're not tasting it because it's fun. You know? Your relationships with one another should be fun and loving, trusting. You know? It should be uh, gratifying just to associate with one another should be thankful always for the association of Krishna's devotees. You know? Uh, are there higher levels of love? Uh, and if there is, what does it look like? Uh, different levels of love. Some levels of love cause uh, ecstatic fits. Feelings of ecstasy. We can't think, you know. Tears coming from the eyes like waves. Uh, tears of joy. There's a difference. We've talked about it. There's a difference between tears of joy and tears of sadness. Tears of sadness are hot and they're uncomfortable. You ever notice when someone's crying like at a funeral or something, they're sad. You know, they immediately want to wipe their eyes. You know, because it's not comfortable, hot tears, but tears of joy are cooling, and you're not in a hurry to wipe them away, you know, tears of ecstasy, uh, ecstatic symptom, having some, and you may not even know it, that you're crying, you know, short of, short of breath, you know. So, uh, and there's many, many more symptoms of, it's like we were talking about, uh, what was it, Anubhav, Anubhav, in that stage of Anubhav, you, you may even be, feel love so much that some blood may come from your pores. Just, ah, love, you know. So we can't, ex we can't understand levels of love that are that high in our current stage, you see. Uh, but you'll get there. You'll get these ecstatic symptoms, you'll have them. So, yeah, so many different levels of, of love. Being so much in love that you have 
blood coming from your pores doesn't sound very attractive. <laughs> from a materialist, but think of how much love that would have to be. And it's not that you bleed to death, but you may have some, you know. Describe why trust is automatically established in the preservation of Vedic knowledge through disciplic succession. Uh, because it's handed down. It's like the baton that's handed down. Guru to disciple. Then that disciple becomes guru, hands it to his disciple. And it's not changed. Um, in every religion that I know of, there have been attempts, most of them successful, at changing. Hey, what do you say we do it differently? You know, Martin Luther, look what he did. So, uh, the Holy Roman Church, where did it come from? That was the original Christian thing. Somewhere along the line, people wanted to start changing it. For whatever reason, you know. So, they didn't have a disciplic succession. I have um, religious philosophy, and I have a different theory. And I don't answer to anybody. Well, that guy that stands up there on the pulpit, who is he anyway? He's no different from me. So, I have a realization I think is higher than his. And there's nobody minding the store. So I think I'm going to take you and you and maybe you. We're going to start our own church. And we're going to allow this and this and this. So uh, this, this happens when there's absence of a disciplic succession, when it's handed down, you see. And the disciple, uh, when you add the element of love, the disciple doesn't change. Why do we want to change? Analyze those with his historical knowledge of religion. What was the reason people wanted to make some changes? Power. And greed. personal benefit. Yeah, yeah. Power and greed, they all come along with it. Personal. I would think I'll be happy if I start a church where we can do this. Or where or, or we don't have to do that. So now it became about me. If I had a guru, the guru may say, that's nonsense. What are you doing? You're getting off track. You see? So without uh, disciplic succession, these things can happen. You see? And it's very common. It's very common. There's always... Pretty much always somebody trying to uh, change us from within. And then there are people who slowly change without knowing that they're changing. Like they, they start to invent uh, kirtan in a different way. You know, they start chanting mostly Haribo, you see. Or at the end of the kirtan they'll chant. 10 minutes of Jaya, all the deities in the world. These things weren't given to us by Prabhupada. 
you know. Um, so there's always this either intentional or unintentional sway. So we have to have the guru say, no, that's, no, we don't do it like that. If you have a loving relationship with your spiritual master, then this is okay. And if you don't, you may think, well, I don't know. I kind of like to start my own thing. I want to do it my way. You can. That's okay. If you're not ready to, uh, if you're not ready to follow the parampara, the disciplic succession in Krishna, that's okay. You don't have to. But good luck. I've never seen anybody successful with it. The closest that I've ever seen was uh, Siddha Sarupananda in Hawaii. He broke away. Um, he's a disciple of Prabhupada. And this was before Prabhupada left. Prabhupada was still on the planet. And he kind of started his own movement. And he became guru and started initiating. And so... Many of the, of the leaders in the movement were very upset. And when they told Prabhupada, they could tell Prabhupada was bothered. And Prabhupada said, so are they chanting Hare Krishna? They said, well, yes, Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, okay. And then he didn't speak of it anymore. It's very hurtful, but you get over it. So sometimes the the disciple wants to make an end run. Now, why did I say he's the most successful? Because they're still there today. Uh, this uh, Tulsi Gabbard, mm -hmm. she's a disciple of Siddhasurupananda. You know, so they're like us, but they are not as serious. They've changed a bunch of things. And amazingly, he's been able to hang on for as much as I know, you know, I don't know. Do you know more about them? Because you lived in Hawaii. I only saw them once. Yeah, I don't. They still chant Hare Krishna, but I don't know much about them. But all I can say is they're still there. And I believe that Siddhasarupananda had some <clears throat> change of heart, deep regret. Because his disciple, uh, one of his disciples, Tulsi Gabbard, speaks in nothing but praise of Srila Prabhupada. So she didn't get that on her own, so he's giving it. So I'm thinking he had some regret that on oh, what I did. So he's whatever, you know. I don't know. I don't know the details. So we're, question. Yeah, yeah. Just on topic. Yeah. So double question. I always wanted to ask it now as well. Uh, so should we, when we do Kirtan, should we try to kind of stick to you know, how Srila Prabhupada did originally because a lot of temples, they, they kind of do it. Not, not to tell anybody, of course, that they do wrong, but when we are the kind of, you know, in those positions, should we stick it to just doing just Hare Krishna, Kirtan, and nothing else? Or, like, is, is that okay if that's close? That's the first part of the question. The second, what if you, like, doing any kind of service with somebody and you notice that that person has a tendency to kind of do their own thing, like to maybe, you know, like do some kind of preaching without inviting people to come to the temple, stuff like that. They don't say it out loud directly, 
but they kind of have the tendency, you know, doing the lines. How, how should we treat it? Should we like still assist those people because they're preaching and they are not officially out of ISKCON? Or should we just kind of... No, you should still associate with them, but maybe it's not wrong for you to say, you take it off, Hare Krishna. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming. Uh, it's okay for you to say, you know, I thought Prabhupada said that we should do it like this. You know, kind of slightly put them on the spot. Like, can you explain? I mean, gee whiz, I'd like to know. But uh, it's like Prabhupada was not much of a Hari Bowl man. Prabhupada, when he saw somebody, didn't say, Hari Bowl! And when they were leaving, he didn't say, Hari Bowl! In Iskand, that became everything. Hari Bowl could mean anything. Hi, goodbye. It could mean, what are you doing? You know, like, Hari Bowl? <laughs> I mean, it could mean, it depends on how you say it. But uh, <laughs> my godbrother Tejas, he was walking with Prabhupada in Vrindavan, and some lady, one of the bridge bossies, she was sweeping in front of her house, and she said, Hari Bol, Swamiji. And Prabhupada stopped, and he looked at her, and he said, Don't say Hari Bol. Do Hari Bol. <laughs> Meaning, you know, you can say it, but do it. You know, Hari Bol means chant Hare Krishna. So, so to repeat it in the in the in the kirtan, that's not. Uh, we didn't get that from Prabhupada. And to go on, actually for for kirtan, if it's one of the like Mangal arti, um, noon arti, evening arti, for those particular artiks. Uh, Prabhupada said, you chant, there's a prayer that goes with each one of those. Like with Mangal Arti, you chant uh, Gurvashtakam and then Jaisi Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada, three times. Then Hare Krishna, nothing else. We said it three times, nothing else. Nothing else. Now there are people who do, they don't follow that. And, and there are people, some people that will argue. Although he did say that. He gave. Uh, so, but let's not spend, let's not spend a lot of energy. Because a lot of times, especially with the kirtan, if you go up to someone and say, you know, probably, probably you shouldn't chant Hari Bowl for five minutes. You know, or Jai Satchinandana, Jai Satchinandana. You know, that Prophet said nothing else. Well, if you do that, they're going to probably get in your face, you know. Well, who are you? Who ourselves to know how we do it? You know, so when it comes your time, do it the right way. And uh, no, it's don't go there when it comes to Kirtan. They'll get mad at you, some of them. You know, don't. 
Jadwaita Swami was telling me one time, uh, we were having lunch and he, we were talking about this and they were in Prabhupada's room in Vrindavan. And so they were talking, you know, back and forth, just him and Prabhupada. And, uh, you know, you've been to Vrindavan, you know, so you know the prep proximity, the temple room from Prabhupada's quarters. And so they're in, in the middle of the sentence, Prabhupada's, there's a kirtan going on in the temple room. Prabhupada said, who is that? Who is leading? Jadwaita says, I don't know, Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, go tell them to stop. And so Jadwaita jumped up and ran, you know, into <laughs> the temple room. You know, and he came back a little bit later. And the guy was still doing it. And Prabhupada said, you didn't tell them to stop? He said, well, yes, I did. And so why didn't he not stop? And Jadwaita Maharaj says, well, Prabhupada, it was the temple president. And Prabhupada said, you go tell him that you are the temple president if he doesn't stop. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, he beat that into some people's heads, you know? And so, uh, he wanted it to be done a certain way. But like I said, we have a tendency, sometimes unconsciously, to make some edits and changes. False ego. You know, so, uh, because I want it this way. I want to do it this way. I want everybody to hear me doing it. You know, I want you to remember you heard it here first. So, yeah. What do you think about um, Jai Prabhupada? Because I feel like, I personally feel like a lot of devotees say that, maybe not all. They a lot of them say that I'd love for Prabhupada. Like, I feel a lot of devotees would love to call out Jai Prabhupada. And like... Yeah, I mean, again, if it takes away from the chanting of Hare Krishna, Prabhupada would not be satisfied with that. But at the end, if you're Jaya Prabhupada, Jaya Prabhupada, then it's okay. Yeah. But if you go on and on and on and then blend back into you know, Prabhupada was very upset one time in India. I think it was 76. Vishnu John was in the temple. He, Vishnu John Swami was known for getting into long Hari balls, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of recordings. Yeah, you can hear it in a lot of his recordings. And so Prabhupada is in his room and he hears it. And he says, let them chant their Hari Bowls, but I'll chant Hari Krishna and go back to Godhead. <laughs> so, uh, can we make people stop it? No, just... Although we're making progress, I see Kirtan is cleaning up in most places where I go. There for a while it was getting, you never knew what you were going to hear. <laughs> and so Jadwaita Maharaj uh, had this feeling that I won't criticize you if you won't follow the Kirtan guidelines. And I expect you not to criticize me when I walk out of the Kirtan. Because I don't have to stand here and hear it. If you're wrecking the kirtan, and from what I hear, and from what Prabhupada told me, 
I have a right to leave without you being upset with me. You know, so, but it seems like it, it is. There's, it's, it's cleaning up. It's not, you know, some places uh, and some people aren't letting go as much, but many are. They're cleaning it up and it's, it's getting polished back the way it was, that, the way it was when Prabhupada gave it to us. You see, it's like, um, you know, one time somebody was during uh, Guru Puja, someone started chanting, Jaya Guru Deva, Jaya Guru Deva, Jaya Guru Deva. And Prabhupada said, which Guru Dev? Yeah. You know, so, uh, so now it's okay for the third generation because you're chanting Jaya Prabhupada, Jaya Prabhupada, Jaya Prabhupada. And then you can chant Jai Gurudev. Now you're Gurudev, you see. But we're chanting Jaya Prabhupada. If we're chanting Jaya Prabhupada, well then Prabhupada knows who you're talking about. But you also have a guru. So you can, as long as you don't string it out, you see. So, I mean, I, I chant Jaya Prabhupada. And even when everyone else is chanting Jaya Gurudev, I chant Jaya Prabhupada. You know, I mean, Prabhupada, you see. So these things are okay. We can tweak it as we go. You know, everything's been in love anyway. Did that answer your question? Basically, you just have to have patience. You know? But just for ourselves, you know, what's, what's the standard to do? Be shocked if the people around you don't get tripped up by the material energy. Don't be shocked if they do. Material energy meaning a little bit of false ego, some position, some control. You can't be shocked if, if someone falls into that, you know? We're shocked when they don't. Yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot about that just during this radio show. You know, the bottom line is if you're looking for kirtan and bhajan out there, there's so much going on, you know, as far as musical styles and they got reggae, they got, you know, everything's going on. Um, and it's become a huge entertainment field, Kirtan is. I mean, it's just yeah. wide open. I mean, Krishna Das started it, you know, really, in that way. Um, but it's just busted wide open with popularity. Yeah. Which I guess, in one way, it's a good thing. It is. But in another way, yeah. as you say, you know, so, so picking up music sometimes in the radio show, I, I question myself sometimes, oh, it's okay, it is, you know, and then, uh, but, you know, I guess when you're, I guess trying to introduce people, you want to attract as many people as you can to those holy names, and sometimes you take a lot of musical liberties as far as style goes, to get them to start, yeah. at least listening, you know, yeah. but yeah, but in temples, yeah, it's, it's a little different, yeah, but it's, it's interesting, though, to see all the styles that are out there, it's just amazing, I, I didn't know there's that many oh. approaches to that type of to, to kirtan mantra. My advice to all devotees, but especially the newer devotees, uh, we have a tendency to follow trends. And we hear advice given by some devotee. We have a tendency sometimes to think, wow, that sounds great. Follow the big leagues. Okay, I mean, 
what kind of kirtan does Indra Swami? What does he do? Huh? Niranjana Swami, what does he do? Lokanath, I can go on and on. Kadamba Kanana Swami, if you want to imitate or emulate, emulate the big leaguers. Why would you emulate some junior leaguer? They're still devotees, but they've come up with, why don't these guys concoct? Ideas and concepts on how to preach. You want advice? Get it from a big leaguer. It's, there's plenty of it. You know, if somebody comes, why are they going to be? Don't you wonder, what are your credentials? You know? Or if you hear something, you think it sounds like a good idea, bounce it off someone, you know? So, but if we all followed the leaders, there wouldn't be a kirtan issue. I mean, listen to Indra Swami and Lokanath Swami and all these men, Kadamba Kanana, the, the greats, the all-time greats, the ones who steal hearts with their chanting and make devotees from their chanting. And you don't hear them. It's flawless. And it's not boring. And they're having a great time. <laughs> you know, Kadamba Kanana Swami there and... Uh, at the Kirtan Mela in, in uh, Mayapur for like two hours, nothing but Hare Krishna. And you can tell he's having a great time. And there's, I don't know, two or 3,000 people there. They're having a great time too. <laughs> you don't see anybody whispering like, how come he never chants Hare Krishna? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, if you're going to follow in footsteps, follow in the big footsteps. You know, so that's my advice. Okay, last question, and then I'm going to eat. How are we doing on time, Rada Sundry? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never know when she's going to throw us out. What is the proper way for a Vaishnav man... to court a Vaishnava lady? Um, if there's some attraction to keep your the two of you out of Maya, let's say, okay, assuming that neither one of you is already married. <laughs> okay. We're going to assume that. So, Brahmachari A sees Brahmacharini B across the temple room. And so it's very difficult. But uh, the best thing to do is to go to the temple president. And you say, I want to change my ashram. The temple president knows what you mean. You want to get married. You want to mate. Simple president would probably say so. Trust me, I don't know how many times I've done this. <laughs> and simple president says, all right, 
Okay, I understand. Do you have anybody particular in mind? That just kind of goes. Oh, yeah, you know, mother, mother so-and-so over there. Oh, okay. So then the temple president may check with mother so-and-so and say, hey, uh, are you interested in changing your ashram? If she says no, then you got to go back to the brahmachari and say, you're going to have to pick another one. You know, she's not going to, she's not going to quit distributing books. Sometimes the temple president knows that she's never going to quit distributing books. So he'll tell you, you ain't got a chance. Not now, maybe in a few years, but not now. So then if she says, well, yeah, I'd like to change my ashram. I'd like to get married. So then you say, well, there's, do you, do you have anybody in mind? If she says no, you may make a suggestion. And so the two of you, if it seems like it's amicable, may start to associate, you know. So right away, the brahmachari, as soon as he asks, or as soon as he says, I want to change ashram, he should change the, the cloth. He should put on white cloth. It says that, that says now I'm 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 no longer uh, renounced. So, and then they, they start to associate together, they walk together, um, talk philosophy, you know, get to know each other personally. You see, so it's like that. So, does that answer the question? It's in the old days. We used to, if you're, if you're married, and you want to have a child, you didn't have to, but the proper thing is you go to the temple president, or maybe the, the temple days. board, huh? That was in the old days, for sure. Yeah, that was way back there. But you would say, my wife and I were thinking about having a child. You know, can I get your blessing? You know, or if there's a group of elders, you talk to them. And they may say, yes, by all means. No, that's, that's really good. You know, I mean, there was no rule if you, if you showed up one day and said, hey, man, like my wife's pregnant. Well, nobody's going to say, well, why didn't you ask me? <laughs> it was just first class. It's polished for someone to go. You know, and the temple president would always be, would always think, well, this shows good character. Because you didn't have to do this, but you did. It's the proper thing to do, but nobody would force you to do it. And nobody would even criticize you if you didn't, you see. So, uh, but we don't do much of that anymore. <laughs> So, all right, I'm going to sign off. The aroma of this prasad. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of comments there first. I mean, is there, is huh? Is there comments? Oh, there was. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Too late. Oh, okay. Too quick. Make sure you put HD. There you go. Yeah, someone wrote something. I don't know. Sometimes I can share those with you. It was a Arjun Sardi? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Putting me on the phone. Yeah. 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 Ye
Krishna. 